This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. So good to be here on this morning, be a part of this service, to be back home. This is my home away from home. It's just so good to be here, and I'm, I'm grateful. I give honor to all of these uh, clergy and to all of those who do anything in this church to keep this ministry running and keeping everything afloat. I'm so glad to be here and just honoring you all today. I'm grateful also, too. I told them I'm going to do something in this service that uh, I have no authority to do whatsoever. I have no zero authority to do this whatsoever except in my own mind. And that, that do it, okay, I'm gonna do it. I got, I, got, I got one vote here. But I am officially renaming this church from Church of the Resurrection to Christ Tabernacle of Wheaton. It's official, amen. I am, because I tell you, you all have supported Christ Tabernacle, you've supported me, you've been a blessing to my family, and um, I feel like I'm at home here because you all have been such a tremendous blessing. So I'm just grateful just to be able to stand here and to preach and to share a few words on this wonderful Sunday. And I want you to do me a favor, just give yourselves a hand for the renaming of your congregation. Amen. God bless you today. I, I told them in the back, I said I forgot all of my notes. I was driving here and I got about five blocks away. I was already late to come to service because of the snow that was outside. So I said, uh-uh, we're just gonna have to go do, we, do what we have to do And because uh, um, I, I forgot all my notes at home. And um, so I rewrote some things in the back and all that. My wife let me use her. Success, successful people are simply those with successful habits. Uh, notebook, <laughs> and this is convicting to me right now <laughs> because I just read this and a good habit would be put your stuff where it's supposed to be when you walk out the house. So I'm convicted. My wife has a way of bringing conviction even when she doesn't open her mouth. So uh, thanks be to God, thanks be to God. Well, well, blessing to you all, and, and this Sanctity of Life Sunday, it's a wonderful, so it's actually a wonderful day, a wonderful and beautiful day. And I hope that many of you all will stay with us after service for the seminar. And if you don't stay for the seminar, stay for the food at least, and uh, get something to eat, and then come be with us. I think it's gonna be very informative. Uh, we're gonna talk, we're gonna share, and we're just gonna have a good time in the Lord, a good time in the Lord. Uh, do me a favor, just look at your neighbor, say, neighbor. I know you're not used to this, I know, I know. But just look at, when I say neighbor, that's the person sitting next to you, okay? Look at them in their eyes, look at them in the whites of their eyes. Look at them until they start getting nervous. And say, neighbor, I'm glad you sat next to me today. That's right, now come on, put your hands together and give God the praise. Now again, as I told them earlier today, I'm not really a topical minister or a topical preacher. I'm more of a storyteller, and I like telling stories. Um, and that's really my strength, and I kind of stick to it. So what I'm going to do uh, is do my best to encapsulate the, the theme of today 
and put it into the story form of what we see in Genesis 4 in dealing with the story of Cain and Abel. And we'll put this all together and hopefully in the end it will make sense, especially since I don't have my notes. <laughs> and uh, hopefully this will all make sense for everyone uh, here on today. Now in Genesis 4, uh, we can't really talk about that till we go back to Genesis 2, Genesis 3. You all know the story of, of Adam and Eve, one of the most familiar stories in Scripture. Uh, Eve and Adam, uh, they were given one rule, just one rule, and they blew it. They ate of that forbidden fruit. Uh, mankind fell into sin. They were cast out of the garden, the glory of the Lord that was around them. They tried to cover it up now because it was gone. Their innocence was gone. And now they tried to cover it up with fig leaves. You all know the story. Now they were cast out of the garden. Now they had to work the ground. Instead of all of the beautiful things of the garden coming to them and fruit just growing here and pears and apples and watermelons and all of the, the beautiful greens coming up from the earth, now they had to get seed and plant it themselves. It was a rough time, especially a transition where you had a bed of ease just there with the glory of the Lord. And now you've entered into a time where you have to till the ground and you have to make sure everything is fine. And needless to say about that childbearing thing, where now you have to give children, I heard one amen back there. <laughs> amen. That childbearing thing was something where now you have to deal with that in pain. Well, in looking at that, there were two children that were born out of that union with Cain and Abel, two wonderful boys that were born out of that union, Cain and Abel, Cain being the oldest and Abel being the baby brother. Well, in looking at this passage, they both had different occupations. One was the tiller of the ground, Cain, and one was the herder of flocks. He was the one that took care of the animals. And even in early, early history, we find that these two groups of people, whether, uh, whether they be shepherds and farmers, uh, they always were getting into it, even all throughout history. Uh, shepherds and farmers just didn't seem to get along because the flocks would always come and trample or eat uh, the fruit of the ground. So they were always into it all throughout the course of history. And, well, these two were into it also. In fact, the Bible says that, the Bible says that Cain uh, brought his fruit to the Lord or brought his stuff to the Lord, the, the coming, all of the worst, all of the uh, crops from the ground. He brought that to the Lord as a sacrifice unto God. And Abel brought uh, a sacrifice of meat, of an animal, to the Lord. And in both times, Abel's, Abel's sacrifice was received, but Cain's sacrifice was rejected. And it was rejected in such a way that God said, I have nothing to do with that. The scriptures read like that. It said he had nothing to do with that sacrifice, nothing to do. He brought something to the Lord, expecting God to receive it. And God said, I want nothing to do with that. Get out my face. I added that, you know, get out my face. <laughs> but here, uh, he looked at Abel's sacrifice and he received it openly. And then Cain gets upset. In fact, the Bible says that he gets angry. 
He gets angry with God. Maybe he was angry with himself, or maybe he was angry with God, but I think he was angry with Cain, or Cain was angry with Abel. Now, the Bible goes on to say, you all know the story, where he's so angry, and God warns him. He warns him about this anger that he has. He tells him closely, he said, look, why are you so mad? Why are you angry? If you were to do what's right, if you were to do what I've told you to do, if you were to do what's correct by your heart, then everything would be fine. But you've chosen to do what you've wanted to do, and now things are jacked up, and you are upset. Don't you realize that if you do what's right, your countenance will rise? But if you do what's wrong, the Bible says that sin is crouching at your door, like a, like a lion that would crouch at his prey to this unsuspecting prey to pounce on, because that's what sin does. It's there, and it's waiting, and if you don't master it, it will master you. That's what we have to understand, even in this text, before we go further into the topic, that that's what sin does. That's what it does. When you don't have self-control, when you don't understand that you have to control those inclinations that would take you away from the Word of God, that would take you away from the disciplines of the Scriptures, when you take, it takes you away from hearing and listening to the voice of God, sin is waiting right there to pounce and to cause you to fall into a sense of despair. Well, this is what happened with him. He was so angry, probably with his brother. He should have been angry with himself, but he was angry with his brother. And he goes before his brother, probably calls him out into the wilderness, out into the woods, and he kills his brother. He murders his brother. Now, I have a brother, just like many of you all have brothers and sisters and siblings, but there is nothing my brother really could do that I could even think of that would make me want to murder him. Nothing. I mean, he's made me mad. I mean, really, we're, I mean, we're two boys in the house. You know, we fought. You know, we've done things. But nothing that would make me want to injure him or hurt him or to kill him or something of that nature, which lets me know that there are more factors involved than just one sacrifice that God uh, rejected. I'm sure there's more. Now, the Bible obviously is written in outline form. It doesn't tell you everything that's going on behind the scenes. So I am sure, just with my Holy Ghost imagination, that there is something going on between these two boys. Maybe it was the, 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 the farmer-shepherd type thing. Maybe Cain grew some crops up and all the able sheep came in and ate them all up. Maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe he wasn't listening. Or maybe dad favored Abel more. Who knows the whole story? But there was some anger that was built up. There was some wrath that was built up in so much that he wanted to take his own brother's life. Not said all of the factors because there are many factors that we don't know. But yet and still, he took his own brother's life. When he took his brother's life, he took innocent blood. I want you to think about that. Many of us have never been in a situation where we have seen a murder. Where at my former church where we were, 
over on, on the west side of Chicago. I forget the address. It's off of Pulaski and North Avenue. Uh, you know, in a church planting situation, you may move about seven or eight times, no telling. And that was like our fifth move when, before, when we were uh, Liberty Worship Center. And I tell you, we would go sometimes to the parking lot in the area which was behind a paint factory. And we drove up and, and you'd, you'd go over there and there would be blood on the wall or blood on the concrete from somebody getting shot the night before. And it'd be like, wow, just seeing the blood on the ground of someone who spilled blood, knowing that there was a murder that happened right there, is shocking. It's shocking. So to actually take the step of pulling the trigger or taking a stone and crashing it over someone's head, what would, what would cause? Someone, what would be in someone's heart so, so what, what would cause so much wrath to be in someone's heart to want to take the life of another innocent person? Well, we see here he did it. And then when he did it, he walks away, leaves the body like a dog on the ground. And here, God challenges him. He comes to him. The Lord does. He comes to him and says, Hey, where's your brother? Have you, have you seen Abel? Uh, well, Cain answers him back with that famous statement. He says, am I my brother's keeper? How arrogant. How prideful is that? Am I my brother's keeper? He was trying to avoid the obvious. He was trying to avoid it. I'm sure in the back of his mind, he knew God was going to get down to really what happened. But the bottom line was he was trying to avoid the fact that he had done a heinous crime. And God looks to him and says, hey, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. What does he mean by that? He says, your blood is spilt on the ground. And all your brother's potential, all your brother's future, all of your brothers, whatever he would have created, now it's crying from the ground. It's spilled. It's wasted. Life gone. Exterminated. It's over. And you did it. I know you did it. Gave you the chance to confess. Gave you the chance to get it right. But isn't that how we are many times? God gives us the chance to get it right. Circumstances come, it comes for us to fix it and get it right. But we avoid it and we run from it and we don't want to face it. We don't want to face up to the things that we've done, the mistakes that we made, the sins that we committed. We don't want to face it. And this is him. This is him. This is Cain. He didn't want to face it. He looked straight in the eyes of our Lord and said, am I my brother's keeper? I don't, I don't know where he is. And then God comes to him and said, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And he curses him. And he tells him this, no longer will you be able to be a tiller of the ground. The ground is not going to yield a strength to you. You're going to be a vagabond. You're going to be a wanderer. You're going to go. You're going to be cast away. You're, a cast, you're going to be cast aside. Well, what did Cain do? Cain cried out to God and said, this is too much. I can't handle the punishment. Anybody that sees me is going to kill me. They're going to take my life. I can't do it, please. Not anything but that. Well, how arrogant is that? 
because many times we look at the consequences of what we've done and we don't look at what we've done. And this is what Cain was dealing with. But even in the midst of this, I'm so grateful because God didn't kick him to the curb. God put a mark on his forehead. And that mark on his forehead was saying, anybody who messed with him, anybody who took his life, I am going to deal with them seven times the amount. I'm going to, in other words, I'm going to protect you even though you messed up, even though you did wrong. Cain, Cain, the name synonymous with murder, Cain. <laughs> I'm going to protect him. You're going to protect, it just doesn't, it doesn't phantom. Why didn't God say, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, there? Why didn't God just kill him right there? Why? Why, why didn't God just destroy him right there, but yet God showed mercy on him to someone who did not deserve it? Let's put this together. Let's, let's, let's make this, let's deal with this on the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Let's deal with the mess that Cain was in to the mercy. Let, let's deal with that. Let's put it together because when thinking about murder and thinking about abortion, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to make it soft. I don't want to make this something to just so your ears will feel comfortable in hearing. I'm going to call it what it is, murder. It's taking off an innocent life. I know that's uncomfortable for us to talk about, especially in politically correct cultures as our own. I know that's uncomfortable to call something like that murder because we know people who have done this and we're, we're close to people. In fact, we have done, uh, there are people sitting in this room who've experienced that and their hearts ache and break because they have made that mistake. Oh yes, but yet and still, there are times when we need to hear it just like it is. It's murder, the taking of an innocent life. It's not just some goo, some blob. That's an underdeveloped human being, yes. But so is that five-year-old running around in the back, underdeveloped. <laughs> so underdeveloped. So is the little girl sitting right there, she's underdeveloped. So, so are the children that are running around here, they're underdeveloped. And us old heads, we're overdeveloped. <laughs> but the bottom line is this. Yes, that's a child, that, that's a baby. We're, yes, quote, unquote, we're pro-life. Yay, hooray, 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 hooray. But the bottom, when we look at the real essence of this, that was an innocent human being that lost their lives. Now, I know there are many reasons, there are many factors. I'm sure, just like we see with Cain, there were probably way more factors than what we see that he was just upset because God didn't receive his sacrifice, so he was just so burning with jealousy just that once. I'm sure there were many, many factors. There are many factors that imply or are implied when people have abortions today. Number one, many people are just flat out afraid. In fact, that's the over-encompassing reason why people have abortions, because of pressure from the world. I don't have enough money to bring a child into this world. I can't support the child. There's pressure from fear from people in the church. Oh yeah, you know people in the church. You know, people in the church have abortions too, and they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be known. Wait a minute, I was in line to, to do, to go. I was on that, the fast track to do things in ministry. 
I, I was the one, they were going to promote me. I was going to be a deacon. I, I was going to be this. I was going to be that. I was going to be the other. I was going to be this. And now I'm shamed. I'm embarrassed. My father's a preacher. My mother's a secretary at the church. My, 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 my dad, he plays on the, on the praise team. They sing in the choir. I'm going to embarrass my family. Oh, and those feelings are real. Please, I don't diminish that. Those feelings are real and they're, they're, they're guttural. They're emotional. They make the, 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 the tears flow from the eyes because it is a disappointment. If you, your family will be disappointed. You'll be hurt. Yes, I get it. I understand. And then there are people who say, well, I just don't think I might be a good mother. And, and maybe the father is a bum. Maybe so. They're bummy fathers. They're bummy people out there who don't want to take care of their children. I get it. I know. And those fears are all going through your head. And then you're thinking, well, what about my career? And then the, what about my career? And what will the community say? The community is, will turn against me because it's still, I don't want to be an eyesore in the community. I don't want to be a single mom. I don't want to be a single dad. I don't want to, I don't want to go through this by myself and it hurts. Yes, there are factors that play a play in this. I get it. We get it. In fact, a lot of people in here have experienced all of that. But yet and still doesn't take away from the fact that that baby is innocent. Innocent. Not his fault, not her fault. Innocent. But we don't want to face it. So what do we do? We run. We run in any way possible. But we have to know, just like how, how Abel was killed, Abel was innocent. Abel didn't do anything wrong but please God. Abel didn't do anything wrong but bring the proper sacrifice to the Lord. Abel did what he was supposed to do. And he was murdered. He was killed. And that's what abortion is. And not only is it, is it the killing of a child, but it's killing of the potential of that child. It's not just killing one man. This was the worst murder in history, period. Simply because he was one of the first four people in the world at the time. Can you imagine the nations that would have come out of the loins of Abel? Can you imagine the billions of people that would have been born out of the loins of Abel? My aunt had 17 children. My great aunt, she had 17 children. Y'all sit there like that's like small. You, I said 17, one seven. Okay, and she had them all before she was 40. So I mean, that's, yeah, I, I thought so. 17 kids she had, but she lived to be 96 years old. The people at that time lived to be 700 years old. So can you imagine their childbearing rate? We don't know all the kids that Eve had. She probably had bunches and bunches and bunches. And her daughters probably had bunches and bunches and bunches and bunches. So can you imagine all the children that would have came out of Abel? Bunches and bunches and bunches. When my, when my aunt passed away, when my aunt passed away, she had 17 kids, about about. 50 or 60 grandchildren, about 200 and some great-grandchildren, 
and she had great-great-grandchildren also. That was one woman, one husband, one woman, and when she passed away, all of her children were around her. It was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. All of her family, everything that she had procreated, it came through her. It was a beautiful thing. Can you imagine how many children Abel would have had? It was a horrible thing. So when Cain killed Abel, he killed the potential of Abel. What happens with, with us? With over 60 million, I believe, 60 or 70 million abortions since 1973, all of these abortions, we may have killed the cure for cancer. We may have killed the next president of the United States. We may have killed the person who had the cure, not the vaccine, but the cure for COVID. We might, have, we might have killed the person who may have changed the world as we know it. We killed their potential. But the beautiful part about this is this, that when Cain cried out to God, God, I can't take this, it's too much. God did not say, too bad. God did not say, Get out of here. You don't deserve my grace and mercy. He did not say eye for an eye, two for a tooth. You know what he said? Put a mark on him and had mercy on him. And that's the same thing that I believe that God is giving to us because it is arrogance. It is arrogance for you to walk around in guilt because you made a mistake, because you committed a sin, and somehow you think that the blood of Jesus is not strong enough for your sin. It is arrogance, it is pride for you to sit there thinking, woe is me. Oh, I know it was terrible. I killed my child. My, my child is gone. I influenced someone to do that. I, I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe that I did that. And now that your eyes have been opened and you've come into the knowledge of the Spirit of God, you feel the stress and you feel the remorse and you feel the regret. You feel all of that. I'm telling you right now that the blood of Jesus is stronger than your regret. The blood of Jesus is stronger than your guilt. The blood of Jesus is stronger than your shame. You might say, well, ah, you don't understand. I've been through so much. So what? So what? The grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gives us good news. I got good news for you. Good news is that you've been forgiven. Good news is that God gives you mercy. Good news said that you can hold your head up and still walk as a Christian. Good news is said when you get to heaven, you're going to see your baby again anyway. Good news is that God is a good God, and he shows mercy to those who cry out to him. So all you have to do is cry out to God. Ask for forgiveness. Move forward and then share your testimony. Be open. Share your testimony with people who have been through what you've been through. It will bring healing to you. It'll bring grace to you. It'll bring mercy to you. It'll bring hope to you. In fact, take your misery and turn it into a ministry and bless other young ladies and other young men who are gone through some of the same thing and share it openly and say, this is what I've been through and God healed me. And if God can heal me, God can heal you too. If God can bless me, he can bless you too. If God can forgive me, he can forgive you too. If God can open up the, open up the bounds of compassion, He'll open up his bowels of compassion to you too. Yes, you were in a mess. 
But God says, through your mess, I give you mercy. What a great exchange. What a great exchange. Mess, mercy, unmerited favor, God's goodness, God's grace. And all I had to do was just call on the name of the Lord. I'm grateful today for his blessings. I'm grateful today that he brought us out of mess. I'm grateful today for the sanctity of life. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm so grateful for the blood of Jesus. I'm so grateful for his blood. So God bless you, saints. And just know that the Lord, no matter where you are, he'll take you from your mess and he'll give you the mercy required so you can hold your head up as a woman or as a man of God. God bless you, saints. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.